What does it mean to connect to your future at Lake Michigan College? They connect you to your future opportunities. They partner with local industries and employers, ensuring their programs align to the needs of the community's workforce. Lake Michigan College can help you get to the future you want. Visit lakemichigancollege.edu. WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light Indicator and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. In a potentially historic midterm election, more than 4 million Michiganders turned out to the polls this week, with 1.8 million sending in absentee ballots. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson said the election's on track to surpass the record-breaking turnout in Michigan for the 2018 midterm, adding that it went smoothly. One of the most significant markers of any successful smooth election is when the losing candidate graciously concedes defeat. Several candidates who came up short in yesterday's elections have now done so. And I want to emphasize how the fact that we're seeing candidates who previously denied the accurate results of the 2020 election now graciously conceding defeat in their own high-profile races. Benson said the process of canvassing the election starts in the coming days, and the law requires the process to be done by the end of November. She said multiple bipartisan audits will be conducted after completing any requested recounts to confirm accurate results. Berrien County is going to need a new chief public defender. That's after Paul Jancho was elected as a judge this week. Berrien County Administrator Brian DeSette told county commissioners today a search will have to begin for someone new. Paul has submitted his resignation. He will complete his service with our public defender's office over the other coming weeks. And looking uh, like second week of December, he'll be officially stepping down. Berrien County started its public defender's office in 2017 using state funds. It has since grown by several staff members under Janch's leadership. DeSette said he'll be posting the position soon and will be back to commissioners with an interim chief defender in mind. He told commissioners if they know anyone qualified to let him know. After a special public hearing on Monday, the village of Stevensville has voted to approve two recreational marijuana dispensaries. At its regular meeting this week, President David Wenger said the decision was made primarily due to the need to generate revenue for road repairs in town. I only have so many arrows in the quiver in terms of how I can increase revenue in order to do certain projects. We've got a fairly sizable roads project, and when you look at the finances it takes to do that, we definitely need to look at additional sources of revenue in order to kind of meet those obligations. Wenger says they've dedicated at least the first 10 years of of proceeds from the businesses directly to the roads. The marijuana businesses will be required to operate at at least 500 feet from a school or a church and 2,500 feet from each other along Red Arrow Highway in the village. The St. Joseph City Commission has hired Emily Hackworth of New York to be the new assistant city manager. The commission at a special meeting this week selected Hackworth for the post to help city manager John Hodgson, who chose her out of 17 applicants for the job, Hackworth has 13 years of government experience in New York and then experience with nonprofits. St. Joseph hasn't had an assistant city manager since Tom McDonald retired in 2021. Hodgson himself used to be the assistant city manager under former city manager Frank Walsh. Hodgson says that Hackworth's initial priorities will be to address downtown issues. Set for Saturday is the first ever John Lewis Banquet in Benton Harbor. 
Neighbors Organizing Against Racism's Trenton Bowens tells us the celebrations being held to honor those who have worked to make a difference in the community in the spirit of good trouble, as taught by John Lewis. Instead of just raising money, we want to honor local trailblazers that have done things for our organization, whether it's volunteering or it's community leaders that are focusing on doing some of the characteristics of John Lewis, such as good trouble. So we'll be honoring people that have been activists. Bowen says the event's also a celebration of neighbors organizing against racism, which started out with no funds and has grown in the past couple of years. The group has hosted community book reads and discussions. They were the first organization to implement floats in the Juneteenth parade, and they recently got approved a city park renamed for June Woods, a former slave and business owner in Benton Harbor. The first John Lewis banquet and award celebration will be Saturday with guest speaker Jousha Short, a former WNDU anchor, You can get tickets online. We'll have a link to do so at our website. Just a day after one of its reactors came back online from a refueling outage, Cook Nuclear Power Plant has announced its Unit 2 reactor is once again offline. That's after an excess of water filled one of the unit's steam generators. Spokesperson Bill Downey tells us they're still investigating the cause of the issue, but it came as Unit 2 was being brought back online after a month-long refueling outage. The public was never in any danger, no personnel. It was just a, an issue where a condition was met that would cause the unit to trip. We synchronized to the grid, and we were back online, and we were going through the process of raising power to get up to 100% power. And, and during that power escalation process, this condition occurred. Each of Cook's two reactors has four steam generators, which provide the high-pressure steam that powers the unit's main turbine generator to produce electricity. The company says the uh, unit trip was non-complicated and electric service to customers was not affected. Berrien County Administration has been encouraging county departments to be creative when seeking to address the ongoing staff shortage, and now it's been paying dividends. That's according to County Administrator Brian DeSette, who told county commissioners today a road department program to pay for CDL training for recruits has gotten some bites. We have uh, finalized you know, agreements with six new employees, six new staff that are working at the road department who will be going through the CDL program at the county's expense. Six new employees with limited experience. Our past practice is that we would require experience plus the commercial driver's license. Not now, though. The county is paying for that training with an agreement. The employee stays with the county for two years. If they leave early, they have to reimburse the county for the training. Desette says the new market conditions are calling for new strategies. We are absolutely trying to get creative, and I will fiercely defend our personnel department, who has shown over the past six months, fighting away at that total vacancy rate. Desette said the county departments, in particular the road department, have been hitting trade shows and community events to recruit. He noted in the past six months the county staff vacancy number has gone from 80 to 59. And the Great Start Collaborative has opened a new storybook trail at a park in Benton Harbor. Director Kristen Chisholm tells us the group got support from the Clinton Foundation as part of its Talking is Teaching, Talk, Read, Sing campaign to install permanent storyboards at Britain Youth Park. And they take walkers through the book, DJ's Busy Day. The book goes through just different scenarios, but models the behavior that parents and caregivers, in theory, could utilize to help build those early literacy skills. So one of the pages of the book, it talks about everything green in the groceries. So the different parts of the groceries that are green. Chisholm says the installation went in last week and it's gotten positive reviews. The gentleman that did the installation for us said that there were kids passing through, checking it out as he was installing it, and they thought it was a pretty neat thing. So, so far, a good reaction. 
Chisholm says the Storybook Trail promotes childhood literacy and helps parents teach their kids life lessons. A celebration of its opening is planned for the spring, but anyone can check it out now at the park at the corner of Britain and Pipestone. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg Report. WSJM News Now continues. Russian forces are withdrawing from their positions in the Ukrainian port city of Kyrgyzstan. It's the largest city that Russia had had under its control. And its position near Crimea means that Russian military has lost some of the grip it once had in that part of the country. ABC's Karen Travers has reaction from the Biden administration. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the Biden administration is watching actions, not just announcements, about Russia withdrawing troops from the Ukrainian city of Kherson. This is a significant uh, military milestone for the Ukrainians if, in fact, it happens that Russia follows through and withdraws. Asked if the U.S. is encouraging Ukraine to engage in peace talks with Russia, Sullivan said, It is our job to put them in the best position on the battlefield so that Uh, When and if there is uh, an opportunity for diplomacy, they're in the best position at the bargaining table. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Tropical storm Nicole has sent multiple homes collapsing into the Atlantic Ocean. Nicole made landfall as a hurricane early today near Vero Beach, Florida, but the brunt of the damage was along the east coast, well north of there in the Daytona Beach area. Its damaging coastal surge was hitting beachfront properties in Daytona Beach shores that lost their last protections during Hurricane Ian. Nicole is expected to dump a lot of rain over the a large area of the southeastern United States with up to six inches falling over the Blue Ridge Mountains. Republicans appear likely to gain control of the House of Representatives, but the margin will likely be thin. Here's ABC's Jay O'Brien on what a Republican majority might do if they get control. Democrats have long said Americans don't want to see the steady stream of investigations that are politically motivated, etc. So... When that happens, when there is that GOP oversight, what you might see is the more partisan rancor in D.C. here in the House specifically because there is this disagreement on how politicized these investigations may become. So a lot of it hinges on what the House GOP, if they take the majority, chooses to do first. Do they choose to go to the floor with legislation? Do they look at the debt ceiling potentially or do they go right into those investigations? Arizona Democrats maintain small but dwindling leads over the Republican rivals for the U.S. Senate and governor. The races remain too early to call two days after the election, with around 600,000 ballots somehow still left to count, about a quarter of the total cast. Protracted vote counts have for years been a staple of elections in Arizona, where the overwhelming majority of votes are cast by mail, and many people wait until the last minute to return them. Democrats opened big leads early on election night, when only mail ballots returned Early were reported, but they saw their margins dwindle as more Republican ballots were counted. As of this morning, Democrats led in the races for Senate Governor and Secretary of State, as well as Attorney General, at least as of this morning. Meanwhile, key Senate races in three states still outstanding. In Georgia, Democratic incumbent Raphael Warnock and Republican Herschel Walker are campaigning again as their their race is tight enough to go to a runoff. Here's ABC's Ike Giochi. As for Senator Raphael Warnock, it's going to be a tough, tough battle for him. Look, you have to understand, there's a, two big questions for him. How will he maintain that momentum? And also, where will his new votes come from? Look, we just saw tens of thousands of people vote for the Libertarian candidate. There's a good chance that they'll simply sit this race out. Also, those voters who voted for Brian Kemp but not Herschel Walker, they may not be persuaded enough to come out for this runoff election if this is the only race on the ballot.
President Joe Biden will meet Monday with China's President Xi Jinping on the sidelines of the next Group of 20 summit in Bali, Indonesia. The face-to-face meeting comes amid increasingly strained U.S.-China relations. It'll be the first in-person meeting between the leaders of the world's two biggest economies since Biden became president in January of 2021. It comes week after Xi was awarded a norm-breaking third five-year term as the Chinese Communist Party leader during the party's National Congress. The White House announced the meeting today and said the two leaders will discuss, quote, deepening lines of communication. And the lack of people willing to work as sheriff's deputies in one northern California county is now forcing that county to take drastic measures. There will be nobody responding to calls for help or on patrol during the daytime, says ABC's Alex Stone. Over 65,000 people live in Tehama County, north of Sacramento, but unable to recruit and retain deputies at Tehama County Sheriff's Department is announcing staffing has become so dire you will no longer have patrol deputies working during the daytime. Lieutenant Rob Backen. Response times are going to be affected. If there's an emergency during the day, they'll have to ask for help from other agencies. Not having deputies on the streets, obviously, is not beneficial to the public. And so beginning November 20th, patrol deputies in Tehama County will only work at night. Alex Stone, EBC News. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.